Hello, fellow dog-powered sports enthusiasts. This is Chelsea Murray, and you are listening to Positively Dog-Powered, a podcast that dives deep into the real world of positive reinforcement training and dog-powered sports. All right. Thanks, everybody, for tuning in for another episode. Today, we've got a panel for you guys, and we're going to be talking about something super cool, which is dogs that enjoy dog-powered sports and sledding, but have also been involved in film work. Today, I'm joined by Becca, Angie, and Jackie. Before we get started and kind of dive into the bulk of our material for today, I'd like to introduce everybody to our panel. So Jackie, I'll start with you. Can you introduce yourself and how you got involved in dogs and dog-powered sports? I'm Jackie. Uh, I got involved, I've had golden retrievers my entire life. Um, Just started uh, getting into dog sports once I got my one of my current Goldens, and uh, just always wanted to do it. I watched Agility on TV growing up, and I wanted to keep doing that myself. So got into it, and then I really wanted to start exercising myself. So I started running and thought, oh, how fun it would be to take the dogs with me, and uh, started looking at different ways to run with your dog as you research. And I found Cane Across, and uh, just kind of took off from there. The dogs love it, and I love it. And then um, met with Georgia Urban Mushing and learned about bike joring. So we've dabbled in that. Um, So that's been a fun adventure for us. Yeah, from there, we actually got picked up by Animal Casting Atlanta and uh, started our film work journey to go along with everything else. And do you mind introducing us to your dog that you're currently engaged in film work with? Sure. So uh, she's actually right here with me. Uh, Her name is Jolt. She's a four-year-old golden retriever, and um, she has done several commercials now, a um, couple shows, and then uh, the most current show is Hawkeye. She is Lucky the Pizza Dog. Excellent. Becca, we'll head over to you next. Sure. So um, I've been mushing now for six going on seven years. I've been a vet tech now for going on 10 years and have had dogs my entire life been grooming and dog training for several years and um, I've always had husky mixes um, since I was a little girl so got into dog sports pretty early on Um, but mushing has been my thing for a very long time Um, so started out simple with you know one dog on a bike and now I'm running competitive for four dog teams and anticipate I'll be running four and six dog teams soon being in other dog sports, I have a lot of friends that have done all sorts of stuff. So got involved with film pretty early on um, with dog training and um, got involved in the local film community in Buffalo. So my dogs got involved pretty quick and um, four of my six dogs have been in film. So we've uh, I've been independently doing film work with them for a while now and it's it's super fun. Very cool. All right, Angie, we'll head over to you. Do you mind introducing yourself for our podcast listeners? Hi, uh, my name is Angie Watson. Um, I'm involved with uh, Siberian Huskies. Um, I um, originally, um, I've always wanted to be involved in dogs. I was never born into it or anything like that. So I had to... um, yeah, I had to make it work for me and um, I got started late. Um, I was uh, more interested in um, shepherds and doing obedience type work when my daughter um, 
um, wanted a Siberian Husky and we got our first Siberian Husky for her. She wanted to become a musher and I wanted to help her. So um, in um, helping her out and uh, learning it and just being there with her to make sure she was safe and stuff, I kind of got bit by the bug and um, I think I'll do it until I'm not physically capable anymore. I hope that's like a really ripe old age because I want to do this for a long time. Uh, I, I can't say that I really do can of crowds because I'm not a jogger or a runner. Uh, so maybe can of walk, but um, I use that activity now to uh, train up young dogs and reinforce training. Uh, we do uh, some bike joring, uh, scootering and sledding. Just recreationally, we do uh, four dog teams. Uh, my daughter actually has kind of gotten out of it now, but my husband has gotten into it. So each of us have a four dog team now that we sled and um, really enjoy doing that. That's awesome. It's a family affair over there. Yeah. And talk to us a little bit about your movie dog. Okay. So my movie dog is Diesel and um, he, um, he played the uh, role of the adult uh, Togo in the Disney Plus movie Togo. He, uh, we weren't actually out looking to be in film. This came about for Diesel because the character that they were casting uh, was based on a real life canine hero and um, Diesel looked very similar to him. So yeah, he didn't have a lot of prior training other than what I had done with him here. Uh, everything was done with the trainers from uh, Birds and Animals. I think he did a pretty good job, but uh, yeah, that's, that's Diesel. So that's pretty interesting. So obviously he was trained in sled dog sports and that's a big part of his role in the movie Togo. But for you, you actually sent him to go be on set um, with the trainers and they did some work with him there for the extra stuff. Right. And uh, that that was really difficult for me, uh, letting him go, uh, trusting him uh, to strangers. Um, before he left, I had built up um, a rapport with the trainer. And, um, you know, when it came down to negotiating the terms in the contract, uh, one of the things that I specified um, required was that he would live at home with the trainers and uh, so that he, um, you know, he lives at home with us, he's our pet dog. And so he, he was able to maintain that lifestyle and that was important to me. He was gone for nine months and I feel like I got really lucky there. He, he was meant to be away longer and uh, just uh, circumstance, the, um, the movie was live action they didn't need to do um, a lot of retakes. The, they didn't require Diesel to um, stay and go and do uh, promotional activities. Part of that, going back to one of the thing I specified in the contract was that he lived with the trainer. Mm -hmm. um, the trainer was now put on a different assignment and um, couldn't be there. So uh, between us all, we decided it best for Diesel to come home. And that's, that was the thing about the whole experience that everything was what's best for Diesel, what's best for Diesel. And um, so thankful for that. And that did help while he was away. I mean, uh, you know, there were sleepless nights, but uh, that's just something that comes with that, I guess. But, uh, but he was definitely in good hands. And uh, that's gotta, gotta be tough letting him leave, but I'm glad that you felt mm -hmm. comfortable with the team that he was going out with. I, I know that makes a big difference. 
Now, Jackie, I know that for you and Jolt, you have done quite a bit of traveling in order to do some of your jobs. So talk to us a little bit about what it's like kind of traveling with your dog and being on set as a trainer for your dog. So um, the first, when the the filming actually started, we had to go up to New York. Um, And luckily my dogs are very used to traveling with dog sports. So we have the car crates all set up and they just hop in the crate and go right to set. And um, it was a long drive, a very long drive for all the stuff. I drove up with my boss. The dogs were great, you know, stopped a few times to potty. Once we got there, they had already had a hotel set up, very nice one. And, uh, you know, all the accommodations for that. And they're always looking out. We could always bring our car to set so the dogs could stay in their crates on set um, because it was pretty chilly. We didn't want them to stay outside. But we'd bring beds and stuff on set just in case they wanted to be out of the car and just kind of have a spot to hang out. The hardest part I had was up in New York, there's nowhere to potty the dogs. Since my dogs are not city dogs, they don't understand the concept of there's concrete everywhere. There is no grass. So that was uh, an interesting, we may have broken into a couple, uh, a little over fences and, you know, just found a little patch of grass at times, but uh, we may do. And uh, I mean, everyone was really friendly on set. And the rule we have is only the actors or the person interacting with the dog is allowed to pet the dog uh, just, you know, to keep her from searching everywhere for somebody that, you know, is going to pay attention to her. She knows that only these people are allowed to talk to her. Only these people are allowed to pet her. Yeah. Just lots of hurry up and waiting on set. Yeah. I, I like that rule because as a very social golden retriever, I can imagine she was constantly looking for people to say hello and love on. Yes. She had a really hard time at that with, um, cause sometimes I would have to disappear off set just because she was, uh, wanting to look for me and when she's supposed to be focusing on the actors and focusing on the dialogue and sorry Evie is playing in the background Um, so uh yeah she was trying very hard to look for me occasionally so I would have to disappear and just go sit in the car and let uh, my boss take over and handle her at those moments yeah so you were mostly doing the handling unless kind of your presence became a complication for Joel. Yes, yes. So I did most of it. Um, I mean, a lot of it, some of the acts, sometimes the actors had to actually do it. And a lot of it was, we would end up tag teaming because she had to go from A to B or something like that. So it was, it was a big group effort. Yeah. Now, Becca, what about you and your experiences on set? Because I know that you go with your dogs as well. I just have to, I had to laugh that talking about the golden retriever on set, one of the most challenging things that ever happened to me on set was we're filming a scene with three Siberian Huskies on set. They all have to be placed in a room in three different areas and they're supposed to look menacing. But earlier in the day, all the actors were in the house eating food and left all of their wrappers and crumbs and everything everywhere in the house. It took us probably seven hours to get this shot to turn out okay. It was horrible. And I was so frustrated. And one of the, like, one of the things I learned from this was like, the dogs are top priority. And I, because I had such little experience, I was... I was worried that I was going to get in trouble for it. But luckily at the time I had a good advisor 
and I, I had messaged him and I was like, oh my God, I, I don't know what to do. I'm afraid they're going to tell me not to come back tomorrow because my dogs wouldn't work. And he's like, what, why, why were they, why would you let them get away with that? Like, tell them that's not okay. So I, I messaged the director and I was like, my dogs can't work in these conditions. They're not going to be able to do the task you want. And it was amazing. The next day I came in and it was like, they had pulled in carpet cleaners and like everything was shampooed. The walls were like wiped down. There wasn't a single person in the building. It was amazing. I was like, Oh, oh okay. Now I know what to do in the future. But, but really being on set can be really interesting. I've had so many unusual experiences <laughs> to say the least. The first film that I was in, I was in a church basement in hold it's called holding, so you're in holding waiting um for your scene where you're working with your dog and I was in the church basement waiting for my scene that was supposed to it was scripted to be at six o'clock in the afternoon and I was in holding until 4am waiting for my waiting for my three minute training scene. And then I've had my other experience was, you know, Western New York in February, outside in a shed. That was my holding and you know, freezing cold out and (laughs) waiting all day long. But just being like, in your contract, you have to be so specific about what you need. Um, and they'll give it to you. It's, it's one thing that took a long time to learn is if they want your dogs, they will do whatever you need them to do because that's their top priority. If they want something, they have to do everything that you want to get it. That experience with the being outside in the cold, I ended up saying I need to be indoors, heated indoors with my own room, specific room for just me and the dogs. And I had two of my dogs plus another person's dog as well. So it wasn't even just my dog I was responsible for. It was another person's dog I was responsible for. So ended up having my advisor, who was really just a friend of mine, who, you know, you know, I'm telling the director, my advisor says this, had to have my advisor call uh, the director and kind of ream them out for you know, taking care of me, but more importantly, my dogs. And you'd be surprised there's very specific rules in film for the care of animals on set. So it's super important to really look into those things and um, make sure you know what you're doing, if you're, especially if you're going to be an independent talent. It's interesting because, you know, when we think about all of the training that we do with our dogs, I mean, the reason we are in dogs in you know, movie work in dog powered sports, it's because we love the dogs. And we know that in order for them to really be able to work effectively on set, all of their needs need to be met, you know, but sometimes it can be hard when you're going into a new environment, learning how to navigate what the rules are and, you know, trying to figure out what works best. But I'm glad that, you know, after you said something that they started to change what they were doing because obviously they want the shot and they won't be able to get the shot if the dog's needs are not met, if the environment is not suitable for work. I'd like to kind of start from the beginning and look at, you know, how everybody came into this and in terms of a single project, starting with auditions. So Angie, let's start with you. What did the audition process look like for Diesel in the movie Togo? Well, for us, we didn't, we weren't out looking to be in film. Um, it, it, um, 
I, I knew the film was uh, being created uh, years before the casting call. When I first saw the casting call, I ignored it. It wasn't um, something that I had even really thought about. Uh, it wasn't until um, a friend of mine uh, who's also into Siberians and uh, some of her dogs had worked on Eight Below and um, Snow Buddies. So she had worked with this company before, but she didn't have a dog that fit the description and was available. So she forwarded it along to me. And with that, I decided to um, you know, answer the call, which at that time was just by email. From there, it was a series of phone calls you know, like I said, building up a rapport with the trainer, finding out the ins and outs, um, just, you know, talking about Diesel, what his temperament was like and, and um, what his trainability was like and, you know, his time in harness and whatnot. Then, because I'm in Newfoundland, Canada, and the trainers were in California, it's a very long distance. So we did everything through email and telephone. And uh, decided, it, you know, both of us, both parties decided it was uh, fine to take a chance on. So they flew up here and I drove in um, to the city to meet them. The, the trainer was to do an evaluation just, you know, to, I guess, make sure everything that, you know, I'd been saying on the phone was, was good and, and get an idea of what Diesel was like. He knew instantly that, that he wanted Diesel. Uh, and it was even to that point, I mean, we met at the airport and even at that point, I was still, part of me was like, I don't really want this to happen. So, but that's what it was like. He took him that day. Yeah, it was just, it was for me, it was just answering the casting call by email and only half-heartedly at that. So D Diesel got the role because of the way he looked and he was able to do it because of his temperament and because um, he had been well socialized up to that point. I mean, the dog has been, um, you know, from uh, the Pacific to the Atlantic here in Canada. He's he's driven across the country with us, and you know, he's done a lot of things up up to that point, and uh, he could handle it well. So, um, you know, we we took that chance. Yeah. Now, Becca, I know for you, you have been involved in a lot of projects. Are are you working independently? Do you have a team that kind of help set you up with your roles? I'm working independently for sure. Um, I don't work with a talent agency at all. However, I kind of dove into the film community, which is pretty strong in Buffalo. Um, made a lot of friends through photography early on. The first the first acting call for the dogs was kind of a fluke situation. One of my photographer friends said that they knew someone was looking for dogs for a film. And they said that if I was interested, they'd let them know and that they would be calling me if they wanted my dogs. So I sent pictures um, of three of my dogs. So I got a phone call that they were interested in using my dogs. They didn't really give me much information. They didn't say who really they were. I just kind of figured it was just like a local fun college film kind of thing. And they asked if they could come see the dogs. And I was like, okay, sure. And um, so whatever, I didn't think anything of it. So they were gonna come see the dogs. And so they show up at my house and I'm like, you know, my house is a mess. I'm wearing like a sweater and sweatpants and this like fancy car pulls up in my driveway and a film crew gets out of the car 
and they're recording. <laughs> they come in my house and they're recording and it's it's a Hollywood film crew. Um, and it was Addison, Addison Henderson, who is a director and actor. And he was looking for the dogs for his film, uh, Givers of Death, that filmed in Buffalo. And um, that was my first big film um, experience. But that was, that kind of, after that happened, everybody knew that I had dogs. So they knew that there's a trainer who has dogs in Buffalo. And after that, it was always, if somebody needed dogs for film, they messaged me first. And if I didn't have the dogs they wanted, they would ask me who who they could go to um so in buffalo i'm kind of you know ask me first see who i can point you to if i don't have someone i'll send you to a talent agent yeah that's pretty cool i imagine that once you kind of get your foot in the door more opportunities start to arise especially if the dogs have done their job while on set now jackie i know that you have done you did some commercials with jolt before you started with her current role in Hawkeye, but you, you have a little bit of a different experience as well because you are working with an agency, right? Right. I got picked up from Animal Casting Atlanta after they had seen my dogs do agility and rally and they knew they were well-trained, well-socialized, and so they invited me to come and try out for this commercial, uh, which I've still never seen. I can't find it anywhere, but it aired somewhere. But it was just to kind of see, kind of test the waters. It was an easier job for Jolt to start out with. And um, they get all of the, you know, casting everything. And they just pretty much go out and they find the dog they need. And they just happen to need a golden retriever. And um, so we show up and she did great. She loved it. Um, She loved the work. And uh, they were like, oh, well, here's another thing. So we went and we actually did a music video with Jolt and Evie. And they did... uh, a music video for Armand and Trey. It's one of their songs. And then I got another call and he's like, Hey, we have another role for a golden. Um, but it was right at the height of COVID. So we actually did a zoom interview and they just, they wanted to see, you know, what Jolt could do, uh, if she could go to a place, if she could grab something and bring it back. And, you know, not necessarily that they were going to use it, but they wanted to make sure she could do stuff. And, um, I had no clue what it was even for. It just, the email said Disney. So I got really excited. I'm thinking like, you know, cute little kid role and turned out to be Hawkeye. So it was, it's pretty cool. But yeah, it's very convenient having a boss that, you know, he knows what he's been doing it for years. So he and his wife, they, you know, they need a golden, they call me and sometimes they're with me, sometimes they're not, but um, they're always there to advocate for me. And it's like you said before, once you kind of get your foot in the door, they know, you know, I have goldens. And the nice thing about mine is they all look very similar. So if you need multiples or a stunt double or, you know, anything like that, you know, they've got three different dogs to choose from. Yeah, that's interesting. And it brings up a kind of a a nice thing to talk about is the amount of time that the dogs are spending on set, how long they're working, how long they're waiting, because even just waiting somewhere can be, you know, exhausting for everyone. So Jackie, going into such a big project where you knew there was going to be a lot of filming, was that kind of ironed out before you went up there? Did you know what each day was going to look like? No. So I usually didn't find out what the next day looked like until evening 
after they had wrapped from the day before. But even then, it's just kind of you walk in and sometimes you have to train a new trick on the site and, um, you know, get it kind of figured out. And sometimes they'll call you and you end up getting, you know, not getting used all day, but you're there just in case. But luckily, like my dogs, they're used to the kind of chaotic waiting with agility. You know, all the dogs are barking, dock diving, the same thing. So they just they would stay in their crates and they just basically nap and they get out and we'd stretch our legs and walk around for a little bit. But otherwise, they were completely fine with everything, despite even the weird cranes and everything else that goes on in set. Becca, what about you for your projects? Was that something where you kind of knew what it would look like ahead of time or even maybe not day to day, but kind of how long the project would film for? Well, I had to require a schedule at least a kind of a work schedule for myself more than anything um, because I was working and had to schedule filming around my work schedule, which was terrible, but we make it work. (laughs) So what that meant for the director would be planning their scheduling around the dogs, but that did mean really, really long nights most of the time. Um, I was filming three hours away from my house two Decembers ago um, in Elmira, New York. And I would be, you know, I worked 10 hour days, drove three hours down to Elmira, (laughs) worked through the night with the dogs, slept there, drove back in the morning. (laughs) It was just, that's crazy. But it's, it's, it takes training your dog to be able to relax and the, the hurry up and wait quote is very real um, when you're on set because a lot of it is you're in holding um, and you're anticipating uh, you're anticipating this next behavior that they want you to do um, and it, you sometimes uh, in my experience at least you might have gotten a script that said this is the behavior um, that we want and then all of a sudden it changes the day of they are like oh we changed the script this is what we actually want completely different so now you're in holding anticipating what changed and can I you know are we going to nail this are we not going to nail this and um, you know your anxiety your dogs feed off of that and it can you know make things challenging and um, I found that you know film my dogs are stunt dogs and film often requires a lot of very small behaviors, um, whether it be head positions or taking a small step forward, targeting mid recall. And uh, things like that are super challenging when a dog is amped up because they think they're working. So it, it takes a lot of training the dog to settle and relax and training yourself too. And with working those kind of long, long, I, I, I would call it a shift, um, but working those long shifts can be incredibly challenging. And um, in, my, in my film experience, I would have probably, I would say like a two day on, one day off type schedule. And I'd require that in my contracts before I go into it, just so that you have that one day off in between. Right. Because you're still working during the day. That's exhausting for everybody to be able to go through that. So having that day to kind of reset, get some good sleep. 
Now, Jackie, I saw you kind of nodding your head when Becca was talking about the behaviors and maybe behaviors changing. Going into the project, did you have like a X, Y, Z, these are the skills the dog has to know? Was there anything that was kind of thrown upon you uh, last minute that you had to pull together? Yes, we kind of had an idea of what they wanted and some of the major things. But just a few things that honestly, in everything we've done where you show up and they're like, just kidding. We now want the dog to go from here to here instead of just sitting and staying in that one position. And, you know, we'd like to try this to see if it happens. And luckily, they're, the director's very, you can, you know, they, they know dogs. They're like, you know, if they don't do it, it's okay. But we'd like to try to see if she will just because we think it would look really good. And luckily, Jolt's a very fast learner. So, you know, she was able to just kind of We'd work on it, you know, we weren't filming the whole day. So the off time, we would practice a new trick and see what we got. (laughs) Uh, Now, Angie, I know that you weren't on set with Diesel, but was there anything, you know, ahead of time where they were like, hey, we'd like you to brush up on this before he went out? No, I experienced the time crunch Uh, from the time that I first contacted them to the time that Diesel got on that plane was the entire thing was less than a month it took between two and three weeks so even if there had been something there was there was no time um he went straight to the trainers and he went straight into training he had about three months of training um before filming started did you get updates on you know what he was working on and stuff Yes, uh, that was that was one of my stipulations in the contract was that I would receive regular updates. And, um, you know, and from those, I learned um, some things about what he was doing. From the start, I know they were looking for four, four dogs that all looked alike to, to play this role. Um, the trainer told me that all together, it would just be way too much work for one dog. They had found another dog that looked uh, very similar, but for some reason, she didn't work out. And when I got Diesel back, they told me that he had did 95% of the role. Uh, he had stop doubles for some of the sledding scenes, but otherwise all the adult Togo that you see in the film is Diesel. And um, so yeah, like I kind of really proud of him that he showed that he had that mental endurance as well as physical endurance to, uh, to withstand that. I don't know how many hours he worked, um, you know, that type of thing, but I just know that I, I trusted the, the trainers there explicitly. I mean, it was very apparent from the beginning that the dog's well-being was, it was above all else. Uh, yeah, that's, that's paramount. N- nothing is going to be done on a movie set, I think, that's going to put the dog in harm's way in any way, uh, not just physically, mentally, emotionally. Like, they, they really do take care of the dogs there. Yeah, that's really nice to hear because I know that in some movies, when you see dogs do stunts, you can uh, maybe be a little concerned about how that behavior came to be. Uh, But that's nice to know. Um, Yeah, and it was really cool, too, uh, when he came home, uh, behaviors that he had learned. Now, he didn't come home with a little manual of all the things he learned that I could continue with them, which was really unfortunate because he craved it. Um, and you could see it in him and in the way he looked at me, uh, you know, he's always asking, you know, to do things. Um, um, he learned uh, the limp trick and, um, you know, we watched the film and my dad was like, oh, that's not a trick. They just, because of the bandages, they did that. And I was like, no, I really think it is. And we couldn't get him to do it. And we just didn't know how. 
And um, so one day we were, um, I, don't, I don't remember if we were getting ready to walk dogs or we were getting ready to feed them something that he must have really liked because all of a sudden he was uh, going around the living room on three legs and we're like, oh my God, he's doing it. That's hysterical. <laughs> he's like, look at this trick. This one paid quite a bit. Name the action and, and you know, keep it there. We were just, we were just bowled over with excitement that um, we didn't even, you know, get to get to say limp and, and let him know that's what we're calling limp. <laughs> so we still can't get him to do it on command. Uh, but once in a while, like Diesel is always since he was a baby, um, gets really playful when we're taking up the other meals. And he still does. I mean, he's turning nine in February. And um, when we start preparing the dog's meals, Diesel dances and sings. It really, literally, there's no other way to describe it. And on occasion, he will still limp a little, but, you know, <laughs> um, that's one thing I would like to teach him to do, to do on command for sure. Another, um, another um, skill that he learned away that actually I can take back to dog powered sports is, um, you know, I, I'm doing dog power sports from the beginning without a mentor in present. Um, so everyone that I've learned from, I've learned, um, you know, through uh, phone calls and Facebook messages and emails and whatnot. Um, so I have no one there telling me. So there's things that, you know, that I'm going to miss. And um, I've always put the dog's harnesses on. They've never... Uh, never mind getting their harnesses on, but I've always held them and pulled their harnesses over their heads and give Paul, give other Paul, you know, for the rest of it. But after Diesel came back from the film, um, we we're getting ready to go out and I held his harness. Um, and then, you know, I just, you, you kind of uh, hold the back of the harness up uh, so they're not getting hooked into it. And I held it up and he just walked over and he just zoomed his head right through the thing. And I was like, oh, wow, I've never seen him do that before. So sure enough, that's has it turned out that they trained him to put on his arms. They, you know, you don't have to move the harness. He moves his head into it. And uh, that was, that was really cool. So now, now I'm trying to teach that to all the dogs. <laughs> yeah, it's a nice <laughs> skill to have. We're way too excited for that. So I'll never get Salem <laughs> to do that for sure. I love that he came home from set and was like, look at this skill that I learned. I just got paid for this a lot while I was away. Let me show it to you. Does it work for you? <laughs> He kind of had this um, important air about him, you know, the way he sat, he just kind of, I don't know, he kind of looked like a big shot. If that's, if that's something that a dog can do, it was like, kind of like he knew that he did something important. That's funny. <laughs> now, Becca and Jackie, I know that, you know, being on set, I'm sure threw a lot of surprises at you too, in terms of things that you weren't expecting or things that maybe, again, kind of a behavior being changed last minute. Was there anything that really kind of stuck out to you in your experiences as something that was, you know, that you weren't expecting? So many things. <laughs> um you know, being, you know, having a scene prepared in your head, like this is, ex I know exactly what I have to do. And then, um, for example, okay, ghost has to go. And for some reason, I'll, for some reason, every time my dogs are in a film, they're like, they have to be killed for some reason. <laughs> they're the dog that has to be killed. So ghost has to lay on his side and he essentially is being killed. <laughs> but okay so just train him to lay on his side for the film you know it's just a quick shot with the camera 
oh, but there you show up on set and there's a drone. And the drone has to come down over top of him while he's laying on his side with his head on the ground, just calmly. <laughs> no big deal. <laughs> and it has to be raining. So they're going to do artificial rain <laughs> surrounded by people. Yeah, it was, there's things that just, it, it's very, it, you'll be surprised and kind of mortified. <laughs> Well, and some of those things too, like the drone and artificial rain and maybe some of the big things around them are not things you can necessarily prepare for. You know, when we look at training, we want to split behaviors into really small pieces and then slowly add in different distractions so that the dog can generalize this behavior and go, okay, I can lay on my side while there's a drone, while it's raining. And it's not necessarily because you've practiced with those things, but because you've practiced in other ways with other distractions, helping the dog generalize. Did you get any opportunities to practice on set or was it like once you're on set, they're rolling and you hope you get the shot? For the most part, I've been very good with, you know, just saying I need to practice this a few times before we even try taking the actual shot. And everything's always worked out. It's just a matter of, you know, maintaining your cool and remind, just reminding yourself, my dog, my dog's got this. It's fine. And I'm um, just practicing it a few times and, you know, reassuring yourself, reassuring your dog. It's going to be fine. It, it, like you said, breaking it down, um, the drone. Okay. It might be weird and kind of disconcerting for the dog, but just, you know, let's work on the down. And we're going to get payment when you're just relaxed in the down. And we're just going to ignore the fact that that's there. And it, it works out fine. It's no big deal. That's nice. Now, Jackie, what about you? Any big surprises or kind of unexpected things that you had to work through? So I honestly, the hardest thing she had to work through sometimes was the actors acting. Because, you know, if they're getting angry, she's like, oh, my gosh, how do I make you feel better? Like, I didn't I didn't mean to do something that clearly made you angry. And uh, it was just a lot of reassurance for her, like, no, this is, you just have to stay there. It doesn't matter if they're yelling or, you know, what's going on around you, like, just stay there. And there were a couple times where, you know, but we always had um, the American Humane people there. So they always looked out for her as well. And, you know, they're like, is she okay with this? And we're like, yeah, she's, you know, she's living the moment in the scene where she's honestly acting herself. And, you know, you get the real raw emotions of a dog that's like, wow, these people are really mad and I don't know why. <laughs> She's leaning over. It's okay. <laughs> yeah. Now, was there an opportunity for you to practice things on set or was a lot of it, you know, they're ready for you, you go in and you get started? Yeah. So a couple of times we got to practice with stunts um, a few days beforehand even and, you know, go through what she was going to be doing and just practice, see what works the best. Um, and then a few times, you know, if it was more complicated and she needed to actually do something, we'd run through it a couple times just to make sure she knew what she was doing, what was expected. And we could be there to be like, no, no, like, you know, you lay down here, you walk in this way and you lay down and that's what you need to do. So it was really easy. You know, we get a practice run and then we'd be like, all right, let's go. Yeah. Were there any moments where, you know, they were like, this is what we want the dog to do, where you were like, oh, this could be tough. Yeah, they're uh, so funny enough, the, the very first scene with the cars, they were like, you know, we need her to jump over cars. And um, we were like, my boss was like, I don't know. And I was like, well, we did that at the canine biathlon. So 
obviously she can do it just fine. They never really asked anything that was out of the realm for a dog for the most part. Right. What about you, Becca? Never. I've never been asked to do anything I was uncomfortable with. I've been asked to do things that have been out of my training capabilities for my dogs. Um, I think just having huskies, like the first thing that like I show up to set and they're like, we need them to snarl. And I have not had luck training my dogs to snarl ever. Um, I've gotten them to snap their teeth on command and vocalize and look menacing, but I cannot get my dogs to snarl on command. I just can't. <laughs> but, um, but I have been very transparent on set and, you know, I am very clear. I'll be like, I will do what I can to get something and, you know, just, just let me see what I can do. And most of the time when I just let my dogs make something up, it ends up being better than what they wanted. And uh, just explaining to a director a lot of times, just trust me with my dogs. <laughs> trust me with my dogs. I can give you something way better than you're picturing in your head. And um, a lot of times that like with stunt work, especially, you know, they think in their head, you know, this will be cool. And, you know, they don't actually understand dogs like we do as trainers. So we're going to be able to come up with something that's going to work. So they have to understand that. And it's, you know, I just, you know, just talk to them. And uh, anything that hasn't worked or I knew wasn't going to work ends up working out perfectly fine as long as we just, you know, communicate about it. Yeah. You know, a few times throughout this interview, some things have been brought up like socialization and confidence in new environments, uh, ability to work for long periods of time and handle it, you know, being used to travel. As you look at your dogs and kind of the work that they have done, what do you think are some of the key pieces either in your socialization and training plan or in their experiences that they've had throughout their life that help set them up well for being able to work on set? I think for Joel, it helps that she lives with two little boys and they're chaotic. You know, there's constant Nerf gun wars. There's, they have their own drones so that she's used to that. And just honestly, her drive to work, she wants to keep doing She'll she'll keep doing whatever I ask her over and over again and not assume she's gotten it wrong. She'll just think, oh, well, mom's just stupid and she wants this trick 45 times in a row. That's fine. I'll do it. Um, whereas Annie is not very, she, you know, if I tell her to do like a trick two or three times, she's like, I clearly have done it wrong. I will never do a trick again. Sorry. It's learning to do different tricks in different environments that are very, very stimulating and may have really weird things going on, but you can still focus. And then for her as well, just learning to be able to take commands from other people. So not just me, you know, and being able to say, okay, well, this person has the treats or, you know, maybe pretending to have treats. And uh, I clearly need to listen to them and just ignore that my mother's over there and focus on what's going on. Yeah. Do the actors often have food on them when they're working and handling the dog? Uh, we have once or twice when it was like a very, like a practice type deal, you know, like, Hey, I want her to come to you. So can you give her a couple of cookies when, uh, you know, for just this practice and then now she'll just come to you thinking like, okay, this is what I do. This is my mark. Okay. Becca, what about you? What do you think, you know, benefits the dogs in your 
raising and training program that helps help set them up to be able to do this work? I think, you know, my biggest focus, especially bringing up puppies, um, but it carries through the rest of their life, um, is foundation work. So uh, body awareness, confidence building, and um, encouraging them to offer behaviors. Um, before I focus any work on obedience, anything um, training-wise, is just encouraging them to be confident, offer me behaviors. I just reward them for just give me something, um, offer me something, because that translates on set. Um, that's just like a human actor, um, teaching them to um, have personality on set and come up with their own behaviors, um, but also to be confident and be able to handle their own body, um, be able to maneuver and um, do all these stunts that I ask of them. They have to be able to confidently um, handle tasks. So my biggest foundation is just getting them out, free running, learning how to use their bodies. Yep, that's huge. You know, I, I, Angie, you obviously did something right if Diesel was used for 95% of the work for adult Togo. What do you think, you know, and you mentioned too that the trainer, when they met him, they were like, oh, this is the dog. What do you think for him and your situation, you know, helped set him up? Um, so I, like when I raised Diesel up to that point, I guess, I'm not a professional trainer and my, my training ability has um, evolved over, you know, over the past um, 10 to 12 years. Um, but something that I've always known and I've always tried to do with each and every dog that I've raised is to socialize them to absolutely everything um, that I possibly can. Diesel uh, is a lot luckier than my younger dogs in that at the time I only had um, two other dogs beside him and, um, you know, a lot more time for each dog. Um, but um, our dogs were never excluded from our lives. Um, other than um, going to work in the morning, the dogs went everywhere with us. Um, lots of exposure to, um, you know, other dogs, other people, different situations. Um, lots of traveling and, um, you know, different places. Uh, one thing I do here at home and I've done for all my dogs is I, I, raise, I raise my pack and my pack lives with me as part of our family. Um, they're all in, you know, in the next room right now, they're having their afternoon nap. I know when they're down and when I can get things done. Um, um, but they, um, from, you know, sunrise to sunset, all through the night, uh, we don't create our dogs even, even in the nighttime. Um, they, they just free flow together. And I think that, um, like Becca said, about confidence, and I think that's the, one of the things that do give them a lot of confidence is that they have the freedom to explore each other um, throughout their lives and, and um, you know, in, on into their adulthood. Um, they've, um, like, I don't have a big family, but like Diesel in particular was, um, my, my children were young when he came into the family. Um, they're adults now, but um, we still have a lot of people around always done a very basic amount of um, what I call obedience training. I know that word is not really used to describe it a lot anymore, but I don't know the alternative. 
but um you know i i we went to obedience classes and we you know we did novice and intermediate and uh we moved here before diesel had a chance to go to classes um so he didn't he didn't um he wasn't trained formally you know in class with other dogs unfortunately but um, he, he did still, uh, get that training. So I guess it goes back to like Becca saying about foundations. Like there's, there's a basic amount of, um, things that I believe every dog should know, no matter what, no matter what their job is. And, um, you definitely start there. I would like to talk real quick about kind of the crossover between dog powered sports and film work, because even though it might not seem like there is a direct link. I really feel like a lot of the foundations that we would cover for training a dog to run canacross, to bike jor, to ski jor, actually does translate well to film work. You know, we want confident puppies. We want puppies that know how to use their body. We work on proprioception and body awareness. Um, the dogs are fit. The dogs are active. They know a lot of different skills. So they've had some experience with training. What do you think for you guys, you know, benefited your dogs on set that crosses over into, you know, your training that you do for, let's say, Canacross, Jackie? Uh, well, most of our filming was actually during Iron Paws. Um, so it was honestly, it was the best outlet for Jolt at the evenings. You know, we'd be done filming and I'd be like, let's go. And we'd take off running right after. So she got some good energy out after all the mental stimulation. She just kind of got to run it out. But um, I think honestly, the cane across, you know, it makes her very confident because she has to pick, you know, even though I can tell her left and right, a lot of times I let her pick the trail that we're going to go on. And, you know, she's the leader. She gets to tell us which way to go. And, um, you know, it's also learning to ignore the different distractions because weirdly enough, people are calling her while she's running and she's like, no, 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 I'm not going to, I'm going to do my own thing, you know, and just, I think learning, you know, having that bond and knowing that she can be in charge and we still have to work as a team. You know, I'm telling her to slow down. I'm telling her to speed up. And when she has to do some of these walk and talks with, you know, whatever actor she's with or anything, she has to know to match their speed. And we, you know, we play a lot with that with Kane across where even if, you know, she's still got so much energy, I'm like, I'm tired. You can only pull me so hard. Yeah, I think that that distraction component is huge because obviously on set, we're going to encounter all kinds of crazy things, a lot of things that we haven't seen before. And I love that you mentioned that that confidence out in front, because I do think especially for, you know, when we look at our team sports where maybe we have six dog rig, you know, you have two dogs that are your lead dogs. But when we look at our mono dog sports, our bike jaw, our can across, you know, that dog is the leader because there is no other option. And I think that that is really mentally taxing on the dogs, but I also think it creates a lot of confidence with them being out front, you know, having to make all of those decisions. Yeah, no, I completely agree with that. Cause you know, Annie doesn't like to be out front just because I can tell she doesn't actually want to lead. She's like, you are the leader. I will follow you to the ends of the earth. Um, and we're working really hard on getting Evie to that leader status by just pairing her with Jolt and getting her used to the, you know, it's okay. I'm not going to be mad if you make a wrong choice or if, you know, we have to turn around. It's no big deal. We'll get there. Yeah. Becca, what about you? What do you feel like are the good crossovers between dog powered sports and film work? So, I mean, really 
all dogs love to work. Um, and you look at film and sled dogs. And when I look at my team, I train all my dogs to be leaders. And what comes along with being a leader is being able to confidently be in front of a team and not constantly looking back for direction. And when you're working on set as a dog, you can't be constantly looking at your owner. Um, and that's something that when I was first training dogs, that's something I always wanted was eye contact. I want contact all the time. And now that I train sled dogs, I don't train eye contact as much. If I ask for it, I'll get it. But now I train independence and it, it translates on set for sure. Um, being able to send a dog to a target if I'm sending a dog from me to point B and having them stop in between and not turn around and look at me. Um, it's a really hard task for most people to do with their dog. And I think be having a dog that I send out on the trail, it, it really has helped make that an easier task for me. Um, so I, I, I think mushing has actually helped with training movie dogs for sure. And just the confidence of having a dog that's so driven. Um, my dogs are so high drive that being able to train stunts isn't hard because they, they're so into it. They just want to do these physical things. Now, Angie, I know that you mentioned that uh, Diesel had a bunch of experience traveling for uh, <laughs> your dog-powered sports activities, which probably helped make that transition to California. Are there other things that you think helped him on set that stemmed from your work with him in Harness? Uh, yeah, I think I like I have to agree with everything Jackie and, and Becca said there. I don't want to repeat that, but because um, uh, you know, same goes. Um, uh, with with mushing, we do a lot of handling the dogs, um, um, harnessing, and you know, checking feet and um, guiding them into position. However, so uh, they're going to get used to a lot of people uh, handling them. The other thing is that. They get used to working with other dogs, being around other dogs. And um, it's it's more than just being there. It's more than, um, you know, just accepting that another dog is there. I think Jackie said it too. Your dog is, um, is becoming a member of a team. So with yourself and with other uh, dogs. So he's going to be doing a little bit of decision making. And he's going to be doing some following. And he's going to be doing some leading. I think all of it all of it benefits um, in, you know, uh, many places in life. Yeah. Um, yeah, I agree with that. Mm -hmm. it, can you think of one memorable moment or kind of um, crazy story that you heard from set or something that really stands out for you, Angie, with Diesel's work in Togo? Um, again, but I don't think I'm allowed to, to speak of that one. Uh, but I'll take you back to, um, and like when we talked about socializing and how important that is, um, I think Becca touched on it. Like sometimes you're going to, your dog is just not quite going to do uh, what's expected or like, you know, with the drone there. Um, so you can do a lot of socializing, um, everything you can imagine. But I think when you're there, um, things are, it's going to be in a different environment and things aren't always going to go as you plan. One thing that I was told say behind the scenes, um, there's a scene where Diesel had to lay by a fireplace. And uh, so I was told that he had a lot of trouble with that. And in my mind, I'm shocked because Diesel grew up by a campfire. Like, I'm pretty certain the night we brought him home from his breeder, 
Uh, we were out in the backyard roasting marshmallows and that was his lifestyle. Um, and, and still is to some degree, uh, with more dogs, we don't get out as much, but you know, diesel and fire, you know, that I never imagined that that would be a problem. Uh, so, um, yeah, yeah, I, I do have some funny stories. I, I just, um, I just don't think that I can, I can tell them. Not a problem. Yeah, that's interesting that, you know, he's experienced fire at home, but, you know, being in a new environment, maybe a smaller cabin, maybe that was just, it was different enough for him that he was having a hard time with it. Yeah, and um, I'm not sure, I think Jackie may have said something on it too, like in watching the film that, that scene uh, is in there, and he's laying by the fire. There's a lot of actors and actresses around, um, but you can you can you can kind of pick out where his trainer is, and uh, and he did really well, and and uh, he kept his focus where he needed to, and and overcame that. And uh, and I don't know if that translates back into dog powered sports too. I mean, um, for us, um, mushing just uh, it just doesn't happen here. Like we're kind of like pretty much the only only ones at it. Uh, we don't have a lot of trail where we live. We work in like some really rough conditions and uh, we encounter things. And I think, you know, the same as that, you, you get to overcome your fear, but the dog gets to overcome, um, you know, whatever he's going through too. And uh, it builds confidence for sure. Yeah, absolutely. Becca, what about you? Any kind of memorable moments or uh, stories that kind of stick out for you about your dogs in film? Um, I mean, hmm. <laughs> there's so many things. Um, I had to paddle in a canoe with Lycan and a videographer and an actor to a location. That was pretty fun. <laughs> with my canoe, too. <laughs> Um, this is a local YouTube series, which I've posted, um, before and, um, it, it was fun because they were looking for locations and I know all these cool places that I hike and stuff. So I knew this really cool place on the lake and I mentioned it to them and they really wanted to do it. So we ended up paddling a canoe with all of this all this camera gear and lichen, <laughs> but it was fun. Cause you know, we had, you know, all this stuff in this canoe and it was really impressive to them that the dog was in it. And, um, that was really fun. Um, we did this really cool scene where my dogs all ran down this really, really long field. Um, they filmed that with a drone. That was pretty cool. <laughs> But um, there's, there's just a lot of interesting places I got to go um, for different things. Um, night scenes, a lot of fake blood. <laughs> Your dog's getting covered in fake blood. <laughs> yeah, and me. Like, <laughs> because you're like petting it and it's all on me. Um, they put so much fake blood on lichen um, during this last shoot that we did that it was on me. It was on my front porch because they were filming my backyard it was there was a trail across my backyard <laughs> that's wild what about you Jackie anything you know kind of particularly memorable or uh, eventful that sticks out for you well and in, uh, in New York the paparazzi was an interesting thing that I have never experienced and um, 
they were intense, like very intense on making sure they got their shot. Um, so it was just, that was, that was an odd one. And then um, just, you know, there was a couple times where they had um, two different units working. And so Jolt had to work one unit and Evie would work the other. And if you brought the dogs together, people did not realize there were two dogs on set and um, kind of blew their minds. They're like, oh, my God, they're twins. Uh, whereas to me, they look very, very different. But um, then the other was just Jolt loved all the pizza she got to eat. That was her absolute favorite every time she got to eat a piece of pizza. It happens quite a bit. Tyler and I, my husband and I were talking about that. Every time we saw her eat pizza, we're like, I wonder how many slices she ate. <laughs> she ate a lot, but it was, so we'd practice with cookies first. So she wouldn't eat like, you know, seven pieces of pizza. But uh, yeah, she definitely, they wanted her to eat pizza as much as possible because she's a pizza dog. So <laughs> that's hysterical. <laughs> Well, thank you everybody so much. I think we shared a lot of really great, um, you know, insight into the film industry from three very different perspectives, which I think is awesome. Um, any last minute tips for somebody that, you know, if they're looking to get involved in any kind of film work, do you have any tips or anything you learned that you think is really valuable for them? Well, I know um, social media, there's several, several groups that do casting calls constantly. You just got to advocate for your own dog and find a way to make yourself marketable and you know maybe just keep up with the training and the dog sports so you can show that that person you know you are very committed to your dogs and they're very well trained and very well socialized i would just recommend anyone uh, for everyone to like know your goals and i think having definitive goals is going to help both in the film industry and in dog power sports don't compromise when you're negotiating terms and uh, make connections. Um, I think a couple of us have, have talked about how um, we became involved just simply due to connections um, that we've made of people that have been involved. And uh, you know, um, there may come a day, like, like Becca said, um, someone's looking for um, a specific type of dog she doesn't have, she's, she's gonna be able to point them in the right direction, so yeah get out there and, and make friends yep awesome so until next time have fun chasing tails on the trails